The following broadcast is released under a Creative Commons license. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. I believe He lived and died, and that He rose again. I believe and trust in Him. Ascended into hell, Christ our living head will one day come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe and trust in Him. I will trust in my Redeemer, sing of His love. That lasts forever Know His hope And sure salvation I will trust in Him Though the world Falls around me I rest And know That He has found me Christ the rock Is my Welcome all to Pastor Yeshua. You've been listening to Creed by Richard Jensen from his album, Order of Service. By way of introduction, Pastor is an acrostic which stands for Preaching All Salvation Through One Redeemer. Our Redeemer, Yeshua, Jesus, is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. Translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus. The English transliteration for Jesus is Jesus. This program deals with apologetics, questions on and about God, the Bible, and the Christian faith. I take questions and seek by Scripture to give answers and encouragement for everyone, including the tough-minded living in today's skeptical society. And now, let's join Pastor Yeshua. Welcome to Pastor Yeshua. In this episode, we continue with the latest video material from our old friend, He Gets Us, and our seemingly never-ending evaluation of whether or not they in fact have a correct biblical understanding of who Jesus is and our relationship to him. The next video we have is a one minute and one second video entitled, quote, Second Language, unquote. This video is a montage of several people sharing what word is the hardest word to say in English. After some humor, the director informs each person that he is in fact asking what is the hardest emotion to convey in English. Each person then proceeds to share from personal experience what has been the hardest emotional issue to deal with in their lives. The issues include saying, quote, goodbye, I love you, 
I forgive you, and I'm sorry, unquote. The statement written below the video gives more explanation, saying, quote, The things Jesus taught his followers to do and say are incredibly difficult and can often feel unnatural, almost like a second language. But, like learning a second language, learning his way of love opens the world up in a whole new way and leads to flourishing, unquote. Now, it's too bad that the reason that these things seem like a quote-unquote second language and quote-unquote feel unnatural escapes he gets us. If they knew, they would not only mention it, but more importantly, they would explain it. Instead, as usual, he gets us, leaves us with the impression that all of these issues are simply difficult issues that Jesus understands, and that if we merely copy a mere man named Jesus, then we too can better imitate a man named Jesus. Uh, perhaps in keeping with this, we can also imitate Mr. Rogers, Gandhi, uh, Mary Poppins, uh, Barney the Purple Dinosaur. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. No, the truth is that we can look up to the nice behavior of various people. Perhaps we can even copy the nice behavior of these people. Maybe we can even feel better about ourselves and convince others that we are marginally improved people as a result. Who knows? Maybe we can even win a trophy for the more improved person on the block. But the Bible is not primarily about any of these issues. Jesus is not primarily about any of these issues. Once again, Jesus is God. Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness because none of us are capable of doing this. If we could merely look at Jesus and or anyone else and copy them and thus please God by doing so, then it would not have been necessary for Jesus to do it for us. We don't copy or imitate Jesus. We have faith and confess that Jesus is God, and that as God, Jesus accomplished for me all which is needed to please God. If by God's grace I have an abiding faith relationship in Jesus' finished work, then God implants his Holy Spirit, which indwells me, and transforms me, giving me a new nature, where the Holy Spirit bears fruit in me daily, and his nature produces the ability to do all things through him, including saying, quote, goodbye, I love you, I forgive you, and I'm sorry, unquote. This information and reality is the core of the good news, the gospel, the basics of Christianity 101. The question is, why doesn't he gets us present this truth?
why time and time again does he gets us miss the most obvious and fundamental elements of the truths of scripture well the answer is i'm sad to say is that it's because he gets us does not truly know or understand who jesus is or what the message of the bible is Jesus totally knows and gets who gets us is. But he gets us clearly has no clue of who Jesus is. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Following this, we have a 3 minute and 46 second video entitled, quote, Are You Rich? Unquote. This video consists of a series of animated drawings and various people giving voiceover statements about what they think it means to be rich. The gist of the video is best provided by the explanation written under the video which states, quote, He Gets Us interviews people on the street to explore what it means to be rich and how our modern-day perceptions of wealth contrast with those espoused by Jesus, unquote. And nothing can go wrong. Oh, no, it all went wrong. Within the video, one man quotes Matthew chapter 8, verse 36, which says, quote, What shall it profit a man who gains the whole world and yet loses his soul, unquote? At the end of the video, another quote from Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, and Luke chapter 12, verse 34, appears mid-screen, reading, quote, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, unquote. In addition, in abundance of transparency, Jesus is also quoted in Matthew chapter 19, verse 24, and Mark chapter 10, verse 25, as saying, quote, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, unquote. And finally, in the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Jesus says, quote, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, unquote. Now, in the end, this video from He Gets Us represents a presentation of a very common and very pervasive error of Scripture which exists today in our society. First, let's discuss what Jesus and the Bible are talking about regarding rich and poor within context and using biblical discernment. In this case, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, gives us the key to understanding. Here again, Jesus says, quote, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, unquote. Notice carefully, the verse does not say, Blessed are the poor in bank account, the poor in real estate, or the poor financially. It specifies those who are, quote, poor in spirit, unquote. Now, why would being poor spiritually 
be a blessing? Why would those who are poor spiritually obtain the kingdom of heaven? Well, the reason is that in this context, it is only those whom God is pleased to open their eyes and who see their own complete spiritual inability, i.e. being poor spiritually, who are then also, by God's grace, able by faith to rely on the riches of Christ's finished work on the cross and his righteousness. Those who are in this condition will obtain the kingdom of God, i.e. heaven. So, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, is not a commentary on financial prosperity, or lack thereof, or a consequent ability or inability to get to heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, is a condensed statement of the gospel of grace based upon Christ's righteousness and not ours. Matthew chapter 8, verse 36, which says, quote, What shall it profit a man who gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul, unquote, is not a commentary on the evils of riches or of being wealthy. It is simply saying that we should prioritize our relationship with God and our salvation first. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 and Luke chapter 12 verse 34 which says, quote, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, unquote, is also not a commentary on the evils of being rich or wealthy. Instead, it is a, another warning that our first and primary passion and love should be to love God with all of our heart, mind, and all of our soul. Matthew chapter 19, verse 24, and Mark chapter 10, verse 25, where it says, quote, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, unquote, is simply a statement of reality in reverse. Simply stated, if we place our first love of our heart, mind, and soul into this world, the love of the here and now, riches, money, wealth, etc., then we have by default made God second. We have created an idol, and our faith and trust is in that idol and not in God. Therefore, because of our lack of faith in God, it is impossible to enter into heaven in the same way that it is impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Said differently, it is not because one is rich or wealthy that there is a problem with being saved and going to heaven. Rather, it is difficult or impossible to go to heaven because we have taken our eyes and faith off God in heaven and replaced our concerns and loves with that of this world 
and with being rich and wealthy. When it comes to this video, this video picks up on a very prevalent error of today as stated. Essentially, he gets us as stated is another branch of the social justice movement. The social justice movement rebrands and repackages an updated version of socialism and or communism, both of which disavow capitalism. Any brief study of the tenets of socialism and or communism or social justice reveals an underlying hatred of the rich and of wealth. In the modern incarnation of socialism and communism, social justice hijacks the Bible and Jesus, and they use Jesus' statements in the above quotes and others to continue to portray wealth, money, and riches as being synonymous with evil because it moves their agenda. In this case, the agenda being capitalism and any disparity of income is evil. Thus, eventually, Jesus and the Bible are in agreement with the merits of socialism where all outcomes of prosperity or lack thereof are completely equal and are forcibly managed by a socialist central government. Like socialism and communism, equity and fairness are the buzzwords of social justice and he gets us. In the end, the Jesus of the Bible, who is God, a very God, and whose mission is to reconcile his elect from sin and from a fallen world to life eternal with him, gets replaced with a worldly Jesus who is just a finite man who is running around like Che Guevara, wearing a beret and protesting in the streets of everyday America in order for us to all get along better and adopt a socialist utopia. Penalty, too much baloney on the field. The second aspect of this video is that he gets us, and some of those being interviewed are conflating what Jesus is teaching with humanistic philosophical platitudes. For example, two unidentified people on the video provide statements saying, quote, You can have all the money in the world and be the poorest person in the world in love and friendship, unquote. And, quote, inner riches is riches from peace from within, unquote. In both cases, I suspect that he gets us and those being interviewed are under the belief that the Bible and or Jesus are suggesting that in contrast to monetary riches, the true riches which Jesus is referring to consists primarily of friends, family, relationships, and inner peace. Now, while these things are important, they are not 
the primary or unilateral pursuits advocated by the Bible or Jesus. Instead, the primary issue of the Bible and Jesus is sin. As stated, ad infinitum in our analysis of He Gets Us, is that Jesus is God, and that Jesus and the Bible primarily speak of and reconcile fellowship with God via Jesus' finished work on the cross. The secondary issues are of friends, family, relationships, and inner peace, which come as a result of reconciliation with God and a new nature which we are given by His grace. Neither Jesus nor the Bible is ever teaching that our goal as Christians is to obtain friends, family, relationships, and inner peace simply by imitating the examples of a finite human named Jesus. Our goal is not emotional feeling of richness obtained by imitating the example of a finite human named Jesus. Our goal is by God's grace to be reconciled from sin and death to fellowship and life eternal by Jesus who is God and his finished work on the cross. Amen, brother. Finally, the last video at this time is a five minute and 10 second video entitled, quote, learning to say, I love you, unquote. In this video, a younger man sits on the couch in front of a wall covered with he gets us photos. The man tells a story of his older brother and he when he was just shy of 11 years old. This young man looked up to and loved his brother who one day came by his school just to tell him that he loved him. The man recalls that he told his brother that he loved him too, and then, several days later, his older brother committed suicide. The man confesses that he has guilt and that he did not make his response of, I love you too, more sincere, and also that he did not do more to prevent his brother's suicide, even though he had no indication that he would take his own life. Now, the paragraph under the video explains, saying, quote, Saying I love you and truly meaning it can be hard for so many reasons. Uh, maybe it's hard because you're afraid to say something you don't mean. Or maybe it's hard because to say those words is to make yourself more vulnerable than you're willing to be. Either way, Getting our hearts and our words to align is no small task. But we think doing just that is a big part of what it means to be pure in heart. One of the character traits Jesus calls blessed. It's not easy, but we think it's worth it. And this man's story is a testament to that. Jesus' love is like a second language. It takes practice, unquote. 
Well, once again, there are several things which exposes he gets us and their errant, if not heretical, views of the Bible and who Jesus is. The first issue is the idea that any man has the quote-unquote character trait of being pure in heart. The idea that man can quote-unquote practice or do anything on his own to obtain a pure heart is a complete lie. Blasphemy, heresy, penalty, forfeit argument. Contrary to this, Scripture makes it clear that all mankind has fallen with sin, and that as a result, according to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, quote, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Unquote. So the fact is that we are born in this condition and we remain in this condition until God is pleased by his grace to give us a new heart. Until then, we are one and all completely incapable of pleasing God or pleasing Jesus. Until we please God, we cannot see heaven. Now, the good news is that when God is pleased, according to his sovereign will, to draw us to a saving relationship, he changes our heart and gives us a new heart, which bears Christ's nature, which is pure. Because we are in Christ, who is pure, God sees Christ in us, and he is well pleased. Further, we know that if so be that we are truly in Christ, we will see heaven. Thus, when Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 says, quote, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, unquote, we know that according to the full counsel of God, that it is impossible for any man to manufacture a pure heart apart from God. But when God is pleased to change our heart and bring us into a relationship with his Son, his Son will purify our hearts. The person who experiences this situation is blessed. So, when he gets us, says, getting our hearts and our words to align is no small task. They are misguided. As stated, we are not able to align our hearts and our words. It's not a, quote, small task, unquote, or a large task, nor is it something we can, quote-unquote, practice. We can't learn it or obtain it merely by observing or copying a finite human philosopher named Jesus. Uh, no. Instead, 
If we desire a pure heart, then the only way to truly have the heart of Christ, which is pure, is to have an abiding relationship with Jesus, who is God, and to confess him as such. When God accomplishes this relationship in our lives, then the only thing we need to quote-unquote practice is our continued reliance and trust in and on Christ, who is doing the work of sanctification in our lives, which includes purity of heart and the ability to not only say, uh, quote, I love you, unquote, but to have an agape love for God's people and for the things of God. In conclusion, to date, He Gets Us has presented some known 28 videos and some 17 articles on their website. They have a published budget of $100 million and are associated with numerous churches. Their stated objective online is to, quote, reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible, unquote. I don't think so. Yet, despite the teams of writers and researchers, hours and hours of script writing and access to numerous scholars, to date, we still are waiting breathlessly at any mention that Jesus is God. We have no mention of sin, no mention of repentance, no mention of faith in Jesus as the Son of God, no mention of Jesus' resurrection, his ascension, or his second coming. Pretty much any resemblance to anything that any given apostle or disciple of Christ wrote in the New Testament, in any epistle, or any letter, is completely absent from He Gets Us. Instead, what we have left from He Gets Us is simply, again, a finite human being named Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago and who had some really profound ideas and beliefs and who died. What I want to know is how does a mere man from 2,000 years ago who died get me? How does a dead guy from a long time ago relate to me? or even know about me. 
Riddle me this, Batman. Does does Plato get me? Does Abraham Lincoln get me? Can I or anyone else solve the problems of life today or feel better about it because Plato or Abraham Lincoln experienced similar things? Why Jesus? What makes Jesus so special that we need to spend $100 million attached to his name and not Plato or Abraham Lincoln? The explanation is that Satan is fine with putting hopes and dreams into any human being. He is happy and content if we feel better about it. But Satan and the world cannot abide when we worship Jesus as deity, as God. Both will virtually do anything to prevent any person from confessing Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior. Consequently, if Satan and the world can dupe people into admiring Jesus as a philosopher, as a wise man, a sage, an influencer, then it's okay for any number of people to fervently be part of that cult. But when Jesus asks, quote, who do you say that I am, unquote, the world and Satan and he gets us draw the line at proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God or God. I hope that I'm wrong, but I predict that they never will. This concludes this episode. Now, if you have any questions about God, the Bible, or the Christian faith, I encourage you to send me an email at pastor underscore Yeshua at yahoo.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R underscore Y-E-S-H-U-A at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. Trust in